The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Good morning once again. I'm Darshan Madli, standing in for Tsipisa Makwetla. On the Forum at 8 this morning, we're talking about the old Bantu education policy. It would have been 60 years old today, and uh, the system designed to train and fit Africans for their role in what was called the newly evolving apartheid society of 1948. We're told that long before the historic 1948 rule of the National Party, there was a system of segregated and unequal education in the country. By then, 90% of black South African schools were state-aided missionary schools run by the Anglican Church and the, the Catholic Church, but the apartheid government brought an act demanding that all such schools register with the state and removed control of African education from the churches and provincial authorities. The Anglican Church shutting down virtually all of the, uh, the schools that were run by them. The Catholic Church running some of the schools uh, beyond the system. Now, this control was centralized in what was called the Bantu Education Department, a body dedicated to keeping it separate and an inferior level of education. But since the advent of democracy, the 1995 White Paper for Education and Training has stated that education has to play a role to overcome the devastation of apartheid and provide a system of education that builds a democracy, builds human dignity, equality and social justice in South Africa. According to the South African History Online, for example, very little education actually took place in the Bantu education system. In the 1980s, which was the target of almost continuous protest, the legacy of decades of inferior education uh, you know, characterized by anti-development, uh, poor self-image, even economic depression, unemployment, crime, for example, has lasted far beyond the introduction of a single education system, which we saw introduced in 1994 with the first democratic elections and the creation of a government of national unity. On the back of this, on the forum at eight this morning, we're asking you, why is it so difficult to break out, free ourselves? of the manacles of this Bantu education, the shackles that we still find around us today. We've got some great guests for you, and we want to hear from you on this topic. 34701, SMS me during the show, and I'll read as many as we can uh, during the program. Our number to dial, 0891104208. Don't call us right now. We will open up the line shortly. In the meantime, tweet us as well, Facebook us, email us if you'd like to, amlive at safm. .co.za. Let me introduce our panel of guests. We've got an esteemed panel to talk to you. First up on the line is uh, Dr. Albertina Lutudi. She's the eldest daughter of Nobel Peace Prize winner and former ANC President Chief Albert Lutudi. She's 81 years old. Uh, she's a teacher and currently still a teacher in South Africa. Dr. Lutudi, good morning. Thank you for joining us. Uh, good morning, Tessa. And it's good such a to be with you this morning and it's good. It's good to speak to you as well, and, and we're so proud to speak to you. You know, we want to hear a little bit about the education history in South Africa, because I guess in order for us to understand how we break free of Bantu education, we need to know what was, what was in place during Bantu education and what was there before it. Uh, your, your memory of, of, of Bantu education, what, what can you tell us about it? Well, Dashem, I'm actually pre-Bantu education myself. You know, I was educated in those uh, uh, school days, and when, even though there was discrimination in, in South Africa, but in fact, it was, uh, you know, it, it, it was not a party. So you could still uh, really go to school and get a, a good education. I do know about uh, Bantu education, even though 
uh, uh, you know, by then, by the time Bantu education came, some of us had escaped and had uh, finished the education. So, as an observer, but, uh, as, as an observer of Bantu education, what what do you think it did in South Africa? Because there's, there's currently a debate, perhaps, waging about whether Bantu education was better than the current education system, and and, and your observation of what Bantu education did at the time. Just paint us a picture of it. Well, Bantu education uh, was, you know, a devastating kind of uh, uh, education. It was actually designed to keep the majority of uh, the people in this country uneducated. It was uh, uh, designed by uh, a minister of the foot of the Nationalist Party government and called uh, uh, Bantu education. And he meant what he said when he said it's for the Bantus. And he said that it was to keep the Bantus you know, down, and they should not look at the green pastures mm. on which they could never, you know, n- never graze. If they knew how to answer the phone on behalf of uh, bus and madam in the home just to say they are not here or something like that, and to go to the shops to buy bread or whatever it is, small amounts of stuff, and be able to, you know, to count the change, that was, well, that was enough. So Bantu education was really at the heart and continues to have its uh, uh, impact. It was really at the heart of the problems that we're experiencing today, and it continues to have impacts on the whole matter of trying to establish equality uh, between all of us as South Africans and for the youth trying to reach, you know, the idea, their ideals and dreams in life. Mm. So it was a system that was, de- you know, that was declared even by United Nations as insane and evil. Look, I mean, even, even Hendrik Verfurt was saying that there's no place for the Bantu in the European committee, uh, community above the level of certain forms of labor. And, and what he meant is, you know, that, that black people should not be more than just, uh, should not aspire to be more than just servants and manual laborers of, of white people. But, but aligned, almost a parallel system to Bantu education was a system that you went through, which was separate from Bantu education. Tell us about your experiences. Well, that's the, the system I went through, um, uh, as I said, was of primary education, you know, right up to matric, was outside the, you know, the Bantu education of Dr. Fairfoot. But then, when I went to train um, at a medical school, there was already Bantu education. So it did affect us as, uh, uh, you know, aspirants to be doctors, for instance, at medical school, because uh, uh, there was a realization within the country that uh, uh, they they didn't have enough doctors. And Bantu education, as it was, it was affecting the the standards of uh, a a pass at metric level and producing few people who could enter medical school. And the existing medical school were discriminated. They used to co- co- produce two or three doctors per year, and yet the majority of the people there were, uh, the black doctors I mean, the majority of the people were in the rural areas, they were in the areas where the white people of the country could not go to service them. So there was a need now to, you know, to produce uh, a do- black doctors, 
in particular, who could serve in their own areas. Dr. Albertina Latuli joining me on the line for this discussion. Why is it so difficult for us to break free from the manacles of Bantu education? Dr. Latuli, I understand you're going to stay with us a little bit longer than we were hoping, uh, than, uh, than you were hoping to, so I understand you're going to stay with us for most of the discussion. So thank you very much for giving us your time. Uh, let me introduce the, the rest of our panel who's joining us for this discussion. Uh, Manisela Lebola is, uh, Lebelo is, uh, the South African History Online um, sp- uh, spokesperson and he works, he's joining us from the Hatfield studio. studio. Manisela, good morning. Uh, good morning. And uh, also joining me on the line is uh, Mossi Budi Mangena, uh, Mangena, the uh, f- South Africa's first Minister of Science and Technology. Uh, Mr. Mangena, thank you very much for your time. Good morning. Uh, Manisela, if I can start with you, yes. from, from a historical perspective, because, again, it, it's, it seems to be the noise, and, I, and I'm going to talk about it as noise, people saying that the Bantu education system was better than the current system of education. And I'm saying it's noise is because it's distracting us from, from what really fixes the problem in South Africa. It's noise because it's disturbing. How could a system that was designed to keep people subjugated through an inferior system of education possibly be better than the system that we're currently seeing? I, I want to know exactly what was the system of Bantu education? What did it teach? Teach us what did it teach black South Africans in terms of giving them a, a quality schooling and quality education? Uh, I think over the years, you know, problems with Bantu education have been framed in you know in different ways, and probably emphasis has changed, you know, from one factor to another. Uh, but I think you know uh, recent research, you know, would suggest that Bantu education was structured in such a way that it would provide labor where labor was needed and that this labor would actually be uh, probably be given semi-skills, uh, you know, and this would actually come from black students. Uh, but I think there has been challenges to Bantu education and part of what we have to understand is that each time, you know, Bantu education as a system was, was challenged, the apartheid government reacted in certain ways you know, to try and push it through. And the most significant reaction of, of the apartheid uh, state, you know, to challenges of Bantu education, I think they came uh, after the Soweto revolt in 1976 and 77. And I think one of the, you know, critical outcomes of the Soweto revolt, you know, was that at the end of it, there was a mass resignation of teachers. And this may have been only in Soweto, but a couple of years later, you know, the trend was actually picked up in all black townships across, across the country. So that by the 1980s, one of the serious problems of Bantu education was in the caliber of teachers that you had. And with a very weak caliber of teachers, both in terms of, you know, their ability to, you know, to teach content more than anything else, you are most likely going to have the same caliber of students being reproduced over time. And in fact, in, in some situations, you had students that were better qualified than the teachers who in were teaching fact, them. fact, the worst thing is that you had teachers who were probably teaching in metric and who couldn't sit and pass the subject mm. they were teaching. And the reason for that is also historical. You know, the last time black or Bantu education had a credible metric exam, I must say, was at the end of 1975. 
and this is another thing that's not picked up, that all examinations after 1975, precisely, you know, from 1977 and throughout the 1980s, were actually based on leaked examination papers. Uh, but these people actually went through, and I think the rot, you know, tended to, to reproduce itself over time. Melissa Lebello joining us. Oh, better is that it's Lebello. Lebilo, apologies for for mispronouncing your name there. Manisela Lebilo joining us from SA History Online. I'll introduce my last guest uh, right after this break, 20 minutes after 8. Prosper. It's not a word you come across every day. Ask anyone what it means to them, and you'll discover exactly what we did. And everyone has their own definition. And invariably, it's about more than money. It's about wanting a better life, one that tells a story of substance. That's why at ABSA, we are committed to seeing you prosper. It speaks to our very essence, because we're here to give you the tools, knowledge and advice necessary to help you make the most of your life. So when you've answered what to prosper means to you, talk to us. As we see it, we're not just there to help you live, we're here for you to prosper. ABSA is a member of Barclays, an authorized financial services and registered credit provider. If you'd like to do a Master of Business Leadership or Administration but don't have the foundation, a postgraduate diploma in Business Administration from UNISA's Graduate School of Business Leadership is a must. Designed to bridge the gap between the qualifications you have and the skills you need, it prepares you for an MBL or MBA by increasing your business acumen and developing your management skills. For more info, call us at 011-652-0000 or visit sblunisa.ac.za. The UNISA Graduate School of Business Leadership, first in leadership education in Africa. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Thanks for joining us on the Forum at 8. We're asking you, why is it so difficult to break out of the manacles of Bantu education? Joined on the line by Dr. Albertina Latuli, the oldest daughter of a Nobel Peace Prize winner and former ANC president, Chief Albert Latuli. Malisele Lebilo is uh, from the SA History Online. And uh, my last panelist, Mossi Budi Manyena, thanks for joining us. He's the former Minister of Science and Technology. What's your take on this? Well, I am... uh a uh, product of uh, Bantu education. Um, all my life, when it was introduced, I was uh, six years old. So um, all I know in terms of um, formal education was through uh, Bantu education. So I, it's only much later that I understood um, uh, what the constraints of Bandi education were and um, what its purpose was to push us down to ensure that uh, black people um, do not aspire for greater things in life, uh, are not capable of understanding um, uh, issues uh, that are not supposed to be uh, in their station of, of life. They are supposed to be hewers of wood and, and, and fetchers of water. So um, I'd, I'd, I, th- I think that the, 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 the difference was that at the time I went to school, all our teachers were products of a, 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 an earlier system 
that uh, uh, African people could could um, uh, uh, be educated under. And so the teachers were very aware, and they tried what they could to overcome the defects of boundary education. Dr. Lutuli, as a product of, of what was prior to the Bantu education, the system of ministry schools, was it, was it a, a better system of education with, which gave you a, a more of a world view rather than the localized view that Bantu education tried to, tried to, to inculcate in South Africa? Without any doubt, it was. Uh, and as, as, as we all know, there was discrimination, but in fact, the system of education there did not target me as a black child that I must get inferior education. Education was open to all. So it was a system that could produce people who felt equal to the challenges of the, uh, that uh, you face in life, you know, particularly as you move from, you know, the, the young child uh, that's passing metric and moving on to be an adult, really. So you were well equipped uh, by the previous, uh, uh, by the education that existed throughout the country before uh, 1948. I'm, I'm just but noticing we have, a, we have a great cross-section here between uh, yourself, Dr. Lutuli, a, a product of what was prior to the Bantu education, uh, Mr. Mangiena joining us, uh, of course, as he admits, a product of the Bantu education system, but you've managed to break free of that, uh, of, of those shackles of, of Bantu education, and we need to find out how you did so. And uh, Mr. Libilo, what, what product are, are you of? Which education system? Well, I think, in a sense, I struggle, you know, two phases of Bantu education. Mm. The pre-1976, you know, which probably would also reflect on the same experiences as Mr. Mangana has had. And, and the post-1976, but before 1994. And probably, you know, as a student and as a teacher, and probably that gives me a kind of, you know, an overview that would be quite, quite helpful. Well, we are approaching 25 minutes after 8. We're going to open up the line shortly, 0891104208. Your SMSs can be sent to 34701 and uh, email us at amlive at, uh, amlive at safm.co.za. Send me your tweets and Facebook comments as well on amlive safm. 0891104208. Keep that number handy. We'll open up the lines immediately after the 8.30 news headlines with Verbakshini Chetty. Uh, just back to you, uh, Mr. Manjena, as, as a, a product of, of Bantu education, how, how did you break free from, from the manacles or the shackles that we say that Bantu education still seems to have on South Africa beyond apartheid? Well, I, th- I think our teachers were um, uh, committed um, and they were determined to ensure that we get uh, an education better than that which was prescribed or was intended for uh, African children. And so uh, they demanded of us that we go beyond the syllabus because you see the 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 the, the crust of the the problem with Bantu education. 
revolved around the curriculum, around the syllabus, around the facilities that were provided for uh, black children in India schools, wherever they are in the rural areas or in the townships and so on. The spending, for example, per capita per child, uh, it was a, a, a lot more for a white child than, than for, a, for, a, for a black child. Well, if we have and the figures here, actually, uh, for a white child during uh, 1982, apartheid government spending on education per child, on a white child, it was 1,211 rand. Uh, on a black child, 146 rand. So a Absolutely. vast difference. There. A vast difference. But, but then the, the, the teachers and, and our parents were committed to ensuring that uh, we go beyond that. I remember, for example, at uh, secondary school, how my maths teacher, for example, would um, um, put aside the textbook that was... Uh, uh, prescribed for, for mathematics and bring in other textbooks that um, uh, were operational or were prescribed for students in other systems of education and challenged us to tackle those and, 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 and show, show that we, we, we are up to scratch. And in, 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 in fact, we were. So there, there's a combination of factors that ensured that um, despite the machinations of Fervurud um, and company, um, we got slightly more than what they had intended for us. But is it is it a problem with our teachers then of today? I I think that we we have got a I mean there is a sense in which we have uh, uh, overcome Bantu education as a as a country that is at the formal level the curriculum is the same the spending is the is the same for all children and so on regardless of race and etc. But we have got a problem at the attitude level and that is, in my view that is our our problem. Um, as, a, as a society, we are not doing enough for our children, for ourselves, and so on. And, and I, I think that uh, harping uh, on bandu education as the problem uh, that has kept us where we are is, is, is uh, frankly, um, not sufficient. It's, 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 we, we are saying that we are perpetually or forever victims of that system. Twenty years into democracy, things ought to be different. We shouldn't be talking about Bantu education now. Lulu writes in on SMS. She says Bantu education was a disgraceful political attempt to keep African people down. Today's poor educational system is a result of incompetence. Our children deserve much better, says Lulu. Approaching 8.30, let's get your news headlines. Remember, right after this, we're opening up the line. So give us a call right now. 0891-104-208. We want to ask you, how do we break free? How do we... Why is it so difficult for us to break free from the manacles of Bantu education? 8.30 now. Here's your news headlines. Morning talk comes up between 9 and 12. Rowena Bird on the line. What's coming up in your lineup, Rowena? Thank you, Dash. And coming up on morning talk today, uh, the first hour will be driven by the listeners. We have our open line between 9 and 10. We get to talk about whatever you would like to talk about. Please set the agenda and uh, let's have the conversation. In the second hour, we'll have workers on Wednesday. And the focus today is on the plight of security guards in this country. 
country. And again, we welcome participation. And finally, uh, in the final hour, we pay tribute to a great South African and a, and a great music producer as well, Guloy uh, Libona or Braka, uh, as he was uh, most popularly known. He passed on last week and uh, will be joined in studio by another great musician from Braka's generation, Babsim Langeni. That's the show for today. Congratulations, Mrs. Abrams. You are now a homeowner. Yes, I am. We'll host dinner parties. Or we'll get dogs. But what if they dig up the garden and uncover something? Like an ancient burial ground. And the ghosts keep knocking our vases over. Um, uh, sorry, ma'am. Um, here's the front door key. Life changes. So why not get the first ever life insurance that changes as your life does? Love change. Go to brightrock.co.za or speak to your financial advisor. Brightrock, underwritten by Lombard Life as an authorized financial services provider. The Internet is changing lives in Africa. How has the Internet impacted your life? Share your story by the end of October and you could receive $25,000 in funding. I taught myself animation using Google and YouTube. I took my work and I put it on my website. Everybody liked it. I became popular. <laughs> Visit www.africaconnected.com for more details. Africa Connected. Success stories powered by the web. An initiative by Google. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. 0891104208. How do we break free from the manacles of Bantu education? Let's go to the lines. We've got Emma in Cape Town. She says we need to invest in primary schools. Hi, Emma. Hello. Um, yes, I, I do think that the government hasn't really realized how important basic education is. And I think that uh, much more money has to be invested in primary school education. And children need to learn to read, write, and do arithmetic. The government must stop chopping and changing with uh, the different... Uh, systems of education. Thanks, Emma. Well, is the solution throwing more money at the problem? We'll ask our guests that. But uh, I agree with her. Perhaps changing of the goalposts, different uh, outcomes-based education, now onto a new system, has that thrown teachers into disarray? Desmond in KZN, good morning. Hi. Uh, hi. Uh, everybody on the panel, actually, I'm, I'm worried because, you know, the, 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 the one-man's commission of... Uh, Dr. Anselm in 1941 killed us. Now, actually, I think to repair this, number one, it was to revert back to the to that uh, system that was uh, prior 1948. So now, I think uh, we should actually number one is to make the children to be book friendly by introducing more more, more set work more set work in, in, uh, in lower classes as we had before, like say uh, five, five uh, uh, books, Zulu books for, for, the, for, the, for, the, for the high school initially and five books for, the, for English. So this, and the play, that's what used to happen. Mm-hmm. So if we don't do that, if we don't read a lot, in literature, we won't, we won't actually be able to master these things. And again, uh, the lady will tell you that uh, in, in, some of the, in, in some of the mission stations, we had uh, carpentry in primary schools, we had sewing, uh, sewing was everywhere, sewing, all those things, which they made children to master uh, self-help. 
Thanks for your yeah, call. Bye, bye. A book friendly week here. We need to get our children to read more. Uh, Mary in Joburg's calling in. She's a teacher. Mary, what's your take on this? Uh, good morning. Um, I couldn't agree more with all the, uh, the, with the evils of, of Bantu education. There is no doubt about that. But I would like just to, just, just to put in my uh, uh, tuppence worth, I, am, I have talked with the TED, the DET, the GDE, and in private education with IEB. And um, I would like to just say that I do believe that um, Bantu education became the evil it was. But initially, I think if we think about it, the Afrikaner was, had been made to, t- to, to learn in English and had been made to learn the sort of English syllabus and curriculum. And I think that initially the thought might have been, let's not do to others what was done to us. Let us try to in, in, uh, incorporate the cultural ideas and so on. And not only that, um, we also had the situation where, yes, there was, there was, the, the missionary education was excellent, but it was only a few people. You were either Catholic or Anglican or whatever the case may be, and many, many children went without education altogether. So the, the government was, was faced with the problem of, of educating everyone. So initially I believe their ideas were good. I'd also like to say that we, we are falling into exactly the same trap. We, um, we said we, we couldn't, we had to look at the, the uh, in those days you said, they said that they had to look at what would be valuable for black people in their lives. Well, we're doing the same now. We're saying we must look to the, to the companies, to what is needed by, by, by companies in order to educate, instead of looking at education as something in, on its own. In other words, you educate to be educated. You don't educate people to operate in a company. It's the company's responsibility to teach them about what they need there. Mary, but thanks our, for your our call. Syllabus, our syllabus is moving away from that. Mary, thank, thank, you. thank you very thank much you. for calling in Bye. a teacher, giving us her experience. As she says, she's teached, teached in, in all forms of education, from the Transvaal Education Department all the way up to the Independent um, Education Board as well. Temba in Nelspreet, hi. Hello, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Temba. Go ahead. Greetings to also all the guests in the studio. Uh, I mean, I like to conquer with the first caller who said that the problem that we are having in South Africa is the random changing of uh, these education systems that we have. Because each and almost each and every year or two years they introduce a new education system of which it will take most of the teachers time to adapt to that particular education then it becomes very much difficult for the kids to adapt from somebody who is also new to this type of education. I think our education system should be stationary. The reason why other people think maybe Bantu education was better is because though it was designed to subtract us as black, but it was something stationary that has followed for a period of time rather than our current education system that is changing. The funds which are supposed to be used to update our education system is being used to train the teachers now and then. And if you can look, you find that teachers from Pumala, they are going to be trained in Cape Town, only to find that if, how about it, maybe they are trained locally to save the cost. There is nothing that they can say about that. Thanks for your call there, Timber. This uh, SMS from Mr. B from Durban says, Bounty education was far more qualitative. There were trained and professional teachers. There was discipline. There was quality food and not the soil of today. And JNP says, Model C schools, etc. are excellent and should have been extended to all race groups, but the ANC threw the baby out with the bathwater. Uh, and one more from Mary writes, uh, instead of rolling out the white education systems to blacks, new governments changed whole education systems. Mary, they're perhaps uh, agreeing with what Tim 
Kemba is saying a, a different education system, the OBE, has made it rather difficult for teachers to, to grapple with a system that they weren't even educated under. Uh, let's go back to our panelists, uh, Dr. Albertina Latuli. What do you take on this? Because here we've heard from a teacher saying initially there were, there were good ideas in, in, in the, in the Bantu education system that just haven't been carried through. I think a couple of issues have come up here, and you know, and in a sense, the debate is becoming a little muddled. I think the point that uh, Mr. Magana made earlier on, you know, was that you had a quality of teachers up until probably 1976, you know, who could rise above uh, the kinds of constraints mm. that Bantu education was actually imposing, you know, on black education. The reason for that is that maybe the entire crop of teachers were actually educated in mission schools and therefore they could actually produce students of the caliber of Steve Biko, of Tietzi Mashelene, of Kotso Sinatolo. <coughs> and the reason why you don't have that crop of students or teachers in the 1980s is, is that black education, just like a, every sphere of life, was actually being much closely controlled with the policy of total strategy. Part of what we have to think about is how did total strategy impact on black education with a particular point in mind that schools were terrains of struggle in the 1970s and therefore the apartheid government would focus its attention on schools and restructure schools in such a way that it would outlaw any possibilities of unrest and in doing so I think they created schools in the 1980s that we have inherited as the legacy of the late and you know part of apartheid and that's what we have to deal with. Dr. Lutuli, I'd like to bring you in here. Uh, many have said we've, we had 40 years of Bantu education. It can't be erased in, in just 20 years. Yes. Um, I think I must start by saying I agree with um, what the, 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 some people have been saying now. You know, that's almost, uh, it all comes together in that presently more needs to be done in the education system. Now, there is a huge gap that exists now between the schools of children from the privileged sectors of our society than those born and bred in poverty. So this is where now you see that, in fact, uh, if uh, the past, you know, this is about education, left you privileged, then your life, the life of your child in education continues to be better and, you know, uh, of a high standard even. Whereas the child who comes from multi-education and poverty is actually suffering from the gap that exists between uh, 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 these two societies. That's one thing. And then the other thing is teachers are not sufficiently trained to cope with the uh, 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 you know, the stresses they are subjected to. Some people have already, uh, you know, alluded to that. They simply aren't. You can, they get short periods of education in this way and that way that this is what they must do at the schools and it is just not enough. So you have a problem there. The parents should come in. Now parents, a lot of them are struggling and their life in the family unit is very stressful because they come from this uh, story of bad education that we've been talking about. And they have to do everything to try to bring up a child to be at the level 
of uh, the gap that I've been talking about. Well, the fact so, is we do also have um, incredibly well-qualified and experienced teachers in the education system, but the fact is, where would they want to go work? In, in Kailicha, for example, where class sizes are massive, there's lots of homework to mark, your fellow teachers are often grumpy because they're simply not being paid as much as their counterparts in white schools who are able to top up the salary higher than what the Department of Education is able to pay them, and where class sizes are much smaller, there's less homework, and, and your fellow teachers are much happier. This is exactly the gap that I'm talking about, that there's a huge gap. The public schools and the, and, and, and the poor schools will continue to have the long battle. You know, the poor schools will have the long catch-up battle. So what do we do? I think that uh, the teachers, the parents, civil society, and the children themselves, you know, uh, uh, need to really come together. And realize that there are these gaps. We'll open up the lines again, 0891. And everybody must put their lot into, you know, into uh, uh, dealing with the problem because it's huge. To the young people, I would say to them that they have to begin to think big. Oh, they must believe in themselves. Absolutely. Let's, let's give know our, that let's no one is better than yourself. Oh eight nine one one zero four two eight. If you'd like to interact with our guests, uh, tell us about how we can free ourselves from the manacles of Bantu education. Uh, Mr. Manyana, fr- from your point of view, h- how do we do this in a, in a country where we have sixty percent of our of our schools are no fee schools, but these no fee schools are not able to attract the top quality teachers in the country, and so you have this huge gap between schools that were formerly Model C, formerly private schools. Uh, or currently private schools, and, and the ones that were under Bantu education? Well, Deshan, you know, there are many problems in, in, in our education system. Some of them have been mentioned by the callers and uh, my fellow panelists. But the, the fundamental thing uh, now is that there is no accountability in our education system. You know, no one knows, from the president down, the minister of education, the MECs, the uh, district officials, no one knows what is going on in South African classrooms. That's the biggest problem that we have and that we have got to fix uh, so that we, we can control the quality of the uh, education that uh, is discharged in our schools. We don't know at the present what it is, except from uh, the annual national assessments and so on, but we don't know what is going on in the classroom. So if we can introduce accountability, we will ensure that the um, level of education or the quality of education that is uh, our kids experience in rural areas, in the townships and in, in, in uh, model, former Model C schools, it's more or less comparable. At present, it is not because nobody uh, can tell anybody what to do. Mr. Labila, I know you're working on a, a study looking at the culture of teaching and how we can restore it. So perhaps there's some solutions in there that I, I'd like you to talk about. But let's uh, open up the lines, get our listeners to talk to us. 891 uh, Tando in Port Elizabeth. Hi, Tando. Hi. You know, one of the things I'd like to recommend or say is that this matter is actually at the back of what is currently happening in our country. I mean, the, just the, the disorganization, the playing game, just everything that is going wrong. 
at the core of it is boundary education. And, you know, I would suggest with the SABC to actually, when a, a topic like this, when something this paramount, it should actually be discussed in all shows. And don't just for the sake of having a show and having a topic and having, you know, tackle it. It actually should be, especially if it is the 60th, is it the 60th best, best, uh, birthday of it, it should actually be discussed the whole day so that everybody could actually partake. That's my first take. The second take is that boundary education, uh, you know, one of the things that is happening now, other people are running South Africa. South Africans are not running South Africa. You know, for instance, people who have got good education like Zimbabweans, they're in the top positions, uh, you know, in South Africa, Zimbabweans, uh, I'm not being uh, anyway xenophobic. I'm just pointing a fact. You know, Swazis, uh, Swazis, uh, and every because they not all, and Botswanas, they not only studied in their countries, but they went overseas. You know, at 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 at, at uh, subsidies and being sponsored. And in South Africa, you have to find your way. That's why, for instance, in South Africa, two two nations exist or conditions of, 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 of economy. It's the black economy and the white economy. And the white economy, because of the education they, they got, they now are actually uh, uh, exploiting the black economy. That's why it's, it's, a, it's a tale of two nations in South Africa. Tanda, thanks for calling in. Let's, let's just read some SMSs. Tanda, I appreciate your call. We've got Tyson holding on the line. Tyson, we're going to speak to you shortly. Let's read uh, these SMSs that have come through. Elisa says, uh, SA likes copying failed policies from elsewhere, OBE, for example. Let's learn from Zimbabwe and Malawi on education. WM, the education that Dr. Latuli and thousands others received prior to 1948 was engineered by the so-called colonialists, so not everything they did was so bad. Uh, this SMS unsigned Though Bante education was evil But thanks to them I can read and write The current products of this system Of this education uh, This uh, SMS Bante education took over 50 years to conceptualize By highly educated people with doctoral degrees Please ask your panel what they think Will end it um, This SMS Noga Kobe Matlala writes Apartheid regime was consistent in its application Of Bante education has the new SA been consistent on one curriculum? Uh, and uh, Mary, I read Mary's SMS. This one uh, writes in unsigned. All this was known about Bounty education. So why post 1994 did we not focus on teaching the teachers themselves the victim of Bantu education? Tyson in Springs. Hi. Thank you. How are you? Good. Thank you. Go ahead. All right. I don't have much time, but what I would like to say is that uh, there has never been good education in South Africa. Those who think there was edu- good education before apartheid, they are missing the point. Because colonial education also was bad. It's just people then they could speak English, and English is not education, it's just a language. And then secondly, boundary education, the only thing that I can say is that it was here in terms of destroying the thinking of Africans and uplifting the white people. That was direction. The current education system is clear. It wants to keep the poor poor and the rich people rich, both black and white. So if we, we understand education in a true sense of the word, I would say maybe pre-colonial times there was education, but now there's nothing. Because the other thing is, I want to put it straight, people in South Africa think when you speak English very well, then you are educated. And there were kids in the township and in the rural area can't speak English very well. Even if this type of education is a mess, it's made 
by the fact that we don't want to use our languages for sciences and other factors. Look, let's look at the Chinese. They don't even use letters. They use their own characters. They are from space because they did things in their own terms, mm-hmm. their own language. Our fellow brothers, let me finish up. Yes. Our fellow brothers here, the Afrikaners, they, they, they move from the, uh, the, the, the domination of the British. They promoted Africans. They, they have got scientists and whatever. We can do those things in Zulu and Tswana. Beside all this confusion we have, because now our kids need to understand English, and the English is not our mother tongue. Tyson, so thanks for your call. Tyson, it's it's pre- appreciate your call. Let's let's look at solutions. We don't have much time on the show, so thank you for your calls this yes. afternoon, uh, Dr. Lutuli. What what are the possible solutions here? I think that uh, we have to, uh, as you said, the, close the gap between the you know which is causing inequalities in education. Now, I think that the whole subject of education, anyway, is so big. And so important to the stability of the country. As long as there are these inequalities, we cannot have a stable society. We need to have a big discussion. We need to have a, 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 a whole day or whole week discussion on education. I think that the Ministry of Basic Education and Higher Education should not shy away from that. The other day I watched the uh, trade and industry, you know, conduct a, uh, you know, a conference. We need something big on education to take place between the, those who deliver education and society at large. Mr. Labila, so what's the solution here for you? The, the culture of teaching you say needs to be restored. How do yes. we do that? Uh, you know, I'm actually thinking that part, part of the solution is probably, you know, what has become inevitable. A great deal of educational activity is actually, you know, technology-based. And in part, that might actually deal with problems of teacher quality. But I think teacher quality is still at the center, you know, of our education crisis. It is, you know, when one looks at the culture of teaching and learning, we have to be specific about how it manifests itself. And the most critical aspect of it is that you have, you know, poorly uh, prepared and ill-equipped crop of teachers, you know, who are, who are in our education system today and no fault of their own. And that's the one part of it. And the other is that you have uninspired students, you know, who probably wouldn't spare a teacher a minute. And that also is no fault of their own because the teachers are just incapable of, you know, captivating students for, for reasons that I've already alluded to. I'm just thinking that, and this might sound ridiculous, you know, but as I was thinking about solutions, and if solutions had to be human resources and therefore teachers, couldn't we be looking outside South Africa for some kind of an injection? You know, Lesotho, Botswana, and Swaziland in the 1970s, you know, they went for American peace cause. And I think for those people who went to school in Lesotho, Botswana, and Swaziland, they would know the impact that you know the American peace cause has, you know have had on the education system. Didn't we look countries. outside for solutions when we found OBE, uh, an example from Europe? Well, you know, again, I think people are making sweeping statements about what the problems with OBE was, and 
Fortunately, you know, when the Gauteng Department of Education ran that as a pilot project, I was one of the teachers who, actually, who was actually roped in. And that's a debate for another day, you know, but I do think that people are throwing the baby out with the bathwater, you know, when we speak OBE. And remember, I'm not saying that we should do you know, we should actually import teachers from outside. My biggest problem here is that historically, we've had institutions that have been producing teachers. Which institutions were actually serving the greater, you know, uh, aspirations of the apartheid regime? Think about the colleges of education. People talk about the fact that why did the government do away with colleges of education? How do we want them? Do we want them constituted in the same way mm-hmm. as the way the college of education was? Because if that's what we are looking for, that's fitting quite nicely into the apartheid, you know, imperatives. Mr. Manjana, for, for, for us in South Africa, we, we look at great innovations like the digital laser, which we just developed, uh, the Higgs boson. We've uh, identified a number of South African scientists involved with this. How do we create more of this and, and solve the problem of, of Bantu education, breaking out of it? That's what I've just suggested. You know, I've said if technology is the way to go, and, you know, this is something that we are unable to stop, we might as well go that route. But if we need human resources, we really have to have a serious rethink about whether the current crop of teachers we have will actually fit the bill. And I have all my doubts about it. Mr. Manjana, for you? Well, <coughs> I think that uh, the, the, uh, w- w- what we need is a, a stable, accountable education system. Let us forget about Bandu education. It's dead. Um, we, with the advent of democracy, at the formal level, Bandu education is dead. Let us stop being victims um, and, and this victim mentality. What we need is to uh, have everybody who is involved, all role players, accountable. We should have uh, all the problems that are associated with uh, the poor education that especially black children are getting re- uh, solved. And the, the, the critical element in this is the teachers. Uh, whatever the issues they are, that they are facing, uh, issues of discipline, uh, uh, issues of uh, class size and so on, of training, all those things need to be attended to uh, by us. And, and, and uh, you know, we have situations where children come at school at 9 o'clock, they are out by 11, the teachers come late, nobody knows who, um, uh, what is going on in our classrooms. If we can attend to these issues, we will be able to uh, contribute towards the skills that the country needs, the kind of scientists that you are talking about will uh, um, um, engage with in high physics and so on. So I, I think that we must just concentrate on solving the problems that we can see that are in front of us not, and not have back on boundary education. Thanks for joining us. South Africa's First Minister of Science and Technology, Malesela Libilo, is uh, from Essay History Online and Dr. Albertina Latuli, the eldest daughter of, uh, of uh, ANC, former ANC President Chief Albert Latuli. Just after 9 o'clock, thanks so much for joining us in the program today. On the Forum at 8 tomorrow, you can join us for another interesting discussion. From myself, Darshan Medley, and the rest of the team, have yourself a great morning.